listener. Thanks so much for tuning in to Sit Still with Sierra. I'm your host, Sierra Lyons. This podcast is not only dedicated to helping listeners become more self-aware, introspective versions of themselves, it's also a space for us to have unconventional conversations not often had in traditional church spaces. I hope you're sitting still and ready for a topic of conversation. I have a feeling it's going to be a good one. and welcome to Sit Still with Sierra. If you are listening for the first time, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you will stick around. Um, I'm your host, Sierra Lyons, and I'm very excited every single time I get to have a guest on. I've known this person for, I don't know how many years at this point. I feel like I met her when I was like maybe 14 and I'm not good at math. So what is that? Like over seven years. Um, But I'm super excited to be talking with her. She is so cool. Every time I think about people that um, are doing like really cool things in the community, always think of what she has going on and we're going to definitely plug that um, later on in the episode. We definitely want you all to be aware of all the things that she's doing and has going on. But before we get into that, if you missed the last two episodes, you can swipe back wherever you're listening. Um, I had Melissa Murphy on and Vicari Dickerson and we had really, really great conversations in both of those episodes. So I invite you to go back and listen. And without further ado, let me welcome to you all Miss Rosemont Adolph. Hey Rose, how's it going? Hey girl. Hi Sierra. Hello everyone. My name is Rose Monadol. Sierra, first of all, thank you so much for even inviting me to be on the show. And yes, I cannot even believe that it's been like seven years that I have actually been here in Pensacola and have known you also. So um, thank you for having me on your show. Like I feel so excited to be on your show and I feel quite honored. So thank you. Um, so just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a background, um, my name is Rosemond and I host, um, a women's empowerment brunch in the community of Pensacola. Um, just to kind of give you guys a little bit of background of myself, I'm Haitian American and I was born in Fort Lauderdale, um, and then moved to Pensacola, Florida because I got accepted to the University of West Florida. Um, I obtained my master's degree there, and so my master's degree is in special education, and also I specialize in ABA, so I work with kids with autism. Um, However, like my heart is there, but my heart is also in community events and hosting events in the community. So one of the things that I do is that, um, like I mentioned before, I host the Women's Empowerment Brunch of Pensacola. Um, We host our our brunches bi-monthly. And just to kind of give you guys a little bit of insight of how I kind of got started with everything and just kind of like, just a little bit of my heart. So um, a couple years ago, I kind of had insomnia for a while to where um, it was very difficult for me to even like, uh, like keep up with my schedule because um, I would like stay up all night tossing, turning, um, and I would have class in the morning. So of course I was just like super annoyed by that. <laughs> um, but um, so during this whole entire time, um, I was kind of like painting a picture in a dream for Saved. Um, and so Saved is an organization that I co-own um, with a partner. Um, and SAVE stands for Steadily Adding Values and Educating Dreamers. And so my goal with SAVE, uh, when it started with those dreams and with those visions, um, is to build a network, to build a network of professionals. Um, and through that network, I want us to be able to provide educational events and community events just to be able to um, to uplift, to empower our community. And so... Uh, one of the things that I do that through is our women's empowerment brunch. And so usually uh, we pick a person, an entrepreneur, a small business owner, and that person gets to kind of um, dive into discussion, tell us about who they are, give a speech at the women's empowerment brunch that is very um, small knit. And um, Sierra has actually been one of our guest speakers and she did a phenomenal job when she came out. Um, and so she can even kind of like vouch and kind of say it's, it's an intimate environment. Um, when you come to the brunches, we kind of, um, 
we challenge your thoughts. Uh, we dive into things that issue, women issues, things that we don't usually get to talk about. And we kind of like, we network at the end and then we also share ideas and then we also um, take action steps. Um, so that's just a little bit, a little bit about me, a little bit about what I do. Um, so awesome awesome yes i love saved i guess i can be your testimonial for this podcast um every time i go i have a great time and i was really disappointed that i didn't get to go to the last one in february because i woke up that morning with the flu and i was so upset because i was like telling my friends and my family about it and a few people were going to come with me and then i literally couldn't get out of bed that morning so I'm excited because there is an event coming up soon that you have, um, which we will plug at the end of the episode, so make sure you keep listening to the whole episode so you can know, especially if you're in the Pensacola community or area, so that you can know about the event that's coming up. But it's also March. We are at the end of March, which is also Women's History Month, so happy Women's History Month to everyone listening, and happy Women's History Month to you, Rose. Um, Now, like I said, we're at the end of the month. We're about to, it's about to be over. Um, But I I hope that you guys have been celebrating yourselves as women. I hope that you've been, um, that you've had some opportunity to educate yourself during this month and you've had an opportunity to just engage with other women and have really good conversations to learn something new. Um, And so happy Women's History Month. And as an icebreaker question to you, Rosemont, since I like to have icebreaker questions for all my guests, um, who are some or it can just be one person, it doesn't have to be multiple people, but um, do you have a historical figure or a woman person personally in your life that you admire um, or that comes to mind when you think of this month? One person that I absolutely love is Lisa Nichols, and I'm not sure if you've heard of her, but um, she is a motivational speaker. She's a multi-billionaire. Um, the reason why I love her is uh, she kind of... what. She helped jumpstart my vision and my passion for SAVE because um, I was reading, I don't even remember how I fell upon her, but I was reading one of her books where she talks about um, investing in yourself and creating a life of abundance. Um, and she kind of like described of how she kind of started from nothing to where she kind of like had like a rough, uh, a rough life like went from not being able to pay for diapers to put on her baby to not being uh, a multimillionaire and being able to like develop her business. And so she kind of like talks about it from uh, from beginning to end. Um, and so she is uh, one person that I look forward to um, whenever she has seminars, webinars, um, things of that nature. Um, I also, I kind of want to share like two more people. Uh, one other person that I absolutely, absolutely love, Sojourner Truth. She is one of my favorite, um, favorite women who um, created so much for us and set so much of foundation for women's. And so when I think of Women's Women's Month and people who fought for women's right, rights in the past, um, I think of her. And then the last person... Um, I would say is uh, my mom because um, <laughs> she has um, she has been the one of the strongest women I've seen growing up, um, and so just being able to watch her and how she raised us a house full of girls, um, and so just to kind of well we can talk about that a little bit later, but uh, so those are my my top three people. Awesome. Those all sound like really strong women. I love Sojourner Truth as well. Um, And I I really like that you included your mom in there. I think that that's really special. Um, They are the matriarch of the family, often our grandmothers or aunties, like being surrounded by women in your family and seeing strong women growing up is super duper important. So again, if you're listening and you have women in your life, make sure you love on them extra this month. If you have your, if you're fortunate of having your mother, your grandmother still around, make sure you love on them as well. Um, and you kind of, you kind of hinted at my next question for you, um, which is you are Haitian. And so I'm curious how your cultural background um, has played a part in how you view and empower other women. Cause saved is so much about uplifting women. Um, did your cultural background play a big part? And when you were developing, like how you you want it saved to be? I would say my cultural background um, affected, uh, I guess, yeah, 
uh, in many ways because um, in my household, like, or the way that my mom described like our culture and in my household, um, for example, I was raised by women. And so I was raised by my, my mom and my older sister. And so my dynamic was a little bit a little bit weird because my mom stayed home and she took care of all of the kids. So you would kind of uh, equate that to like that stay at home parent, the stay at home mom. Um, and my older sister uh, was the one who would go out and, and kind of work. But it's very common also like in a Haitian household for the the mom to like stay at home and the husband um, is the main uh, provider in the household so he goes out to work um, and the wife uh, does more of the I guess quote-unquote submissive work stay at home clean cook uh, take care of the children um, and so with me um, knowing this and seeing this I feel like um, I don't want women to limit themselves limit themselves in the roles that um, they have like uh, the things that just or the thing or the things that life just kind of throws them w their way i don't want for women to feel like they have to limit themselves or to take those things and accept it and that's just the end all be all but to be able to create the life that they want for themselves and if you want to wear this role and if you want to wear this role too that you can you can have them both like you don't have to just just be that that stay at home mom if you don't want to but you can you can do that and also work. You can um, wear whatever roles or whatever hats that you desire. And so I kind of implement that with SAVE um, as far as our mission goes. And so, yeah. That's awesome. That's a really important message that I often echo as well. Um, women are multifaceted. And 2022, now we have more avenues than ever before that maybe our mothers or our grandmothers didn't have. And so I'm always an advocate for um, don't feel like you have to put yourself in a box and don't feel like you only have this one route to take as a woman. So that's really important. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, that's really special. Now, if you all can tell by the title of this episode, we are going to have a pretty robust conversation about internalized misogyny within the church. I know what you guys are thinking. That seems a little heavy for Women's History Month. Well, I was like, what better month to talk about it? So we are going to dive in deep, but first we are going to take a quick little break. You guys better not leave. It's like 20 second break and we'll be right back. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the podcast. Before we jump back into our conversation, did you know we're on Instagram and Facebook? Follow us on Facebook at Sit Still with Sierra and request access to our private Facebook group, Sit Still with Sierra. These are spaces where we keep the party going and have great dialogue. Now let's get back into the episode. I actually have, I have not, um, but I think that that's simply because of the limited amount of time that I, uh, 
I had. The, this conversation is very important <laughs> that we're diving into tonight um, because I think that uh, my closeness, because of the topic that we had tonight, a lot of the closeness in my relationship with women in the church has um, been affected. And so I, I personally have not um, witnessed or have... Um, yeah, have witnessed anyone talked about it or um, made any comments to me about it. That's <laughs> that's great that you. Um, I, I'm I'm glad that you have this point of view of you've never experienced this because, um, I mean, I've been in church my entire life. Like I, I don't have any memories of not being in church, and the church that I'm currently attending is online. It's been online for the past year. We're about to go back in person in a couple weeks. So this this past year has been like my only experience of not like physically being in church, but I've been in church my whole life. And so I've seen it all. And I know that within different denominations, there are different, um, what's the, what's the way to phrase it? There are different, I guess, requirements when it comes to, um, a dress code in the church. I went to non-denominational churches my whole life pretty much. So typically it is a bit more lackadaisical than maybe say Pentecostal or certain churches, and denominations where they require that you that women wear skirts like they can't wear pants but I have heard a lot of comments um, side comments they may not necessarily say it to the woman but they will say it amongst each other um, or even awkward looks at each other when they see a woman that maybe has on a shorter dress or she has on something that's not deemed modest and what I really wanted to talk about because I'm actually in a private Facebook group um, for young black Christians. And we have a, a lot of really, really great conversations in that group. But a lot of times questions about modesty comes up, like one even came up today. And this girl, she was like, I'm freaking out because I'm finally feeling comfortable in my own skin. And I wanna wear a bikini. And this is a this is an adult, by the way, this isn't like someone under the age of 18, this is an adult. She's like, I, I want to wear a bikini, but I don't want to be perceived a certain way or I don't want to be blamed for someone being tempted and I was just it really kind of upset me not not her post but it upset me that there are a lot of people um, a lot of women in church that feel like it's their responsibility or it's on them if a person is lustful or perverted and whenever I've heard modesty taught in church it has always been under the guise of dress code and sexuality. Um, Rosamond, what, what has been your experience with hearing about modesty? Like when you hear about modesty, what are some of the first things that come to your mind? What you've kind of touched based on uh, just kind of relates or kind of, it kind of relates to just like how the world view modesty. Because when you think about social media and media itself and how it wants to paint women um, and sexualize women so much, but then also uh, it paints this picture to also um, for women to like judge each other, like judge each other for it. And so it creates this atmosphere, this this like idea, this mindset, whether it's consciously or subconsciously um, of like biases that we have or just judgment that we have. Um, and so I feel like that also like kind of transition from the world and kind of goes also into the church atmosphere too and so I know that in church I always felt this okay well I'm going to church so I have to wear the longer skirt or I have to wear the longer jeans or the longer pants like I wouldn't wear uh super short shorts in in the church or like I always had this idea uh condition in my mind um and I think that that idea is painted from conversations that takes place on media um, and also uh, pastors, what pastors are preaching in church um, with how they're conditioning um, the pulpit to believe that how women are dressed um, equates to their value or whatever that nature is. Um, so I think that when I think about modesty, I first think about how we're affected so, so much by the media. Yeah, you made a really good point, especially your last point of um, pastors from the pulpit and how they talk about modesty or how they talk about dress code. And I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I wanted to read something that 
a pastor that I follow on social media, his name's Pastor Zach Lambert, he was actually talking about modesty a few weeks ago, and there's currently um, kind of arguments going on right now off of a viral TikTok of, it's a young black woman, and she's showing, like, these different dresses that you can wear to, or outfits you can wear to be modest, and it's created, like, a very, very, very large conversation on social media right now, but this ties in perfectly to what you just mentioned and what we said um, on how our view of what modesty, biblical modesty actually is, is so warped because of how we fixated it to be on um, appearance and, and not on what it actually means. So this is, I'm quoting Pastor Zach Lambert. He said, modesty is an important virtue discussed throughout scripture, but it has nothing to do with sexuality. Anytime modesty is mentioned in the Bible, it's about wealth and materialism. To make biblical modesty about sex, preachers often manipulate passages. For example, I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. They stop here and start condemning short skirts, but Paul continues. And this is 1 Timothy 2, 9-10. He continues by saying, Adorning themselves, with not with elaborate hairstyles, or gold, or pearls, or expensive clothes, but with good deeds. So what Paul is saying here in 1 Timothy is that being modest in this sense, he's, t- he's um, calling on women to be modest. It's to not be materialistic and to not flaunt their wealth. Now, I read this a few weeks ago, and like I said, I've grown up in church my whole life, and I have never, ever, ever, ever heard modesty preached or taught like this from a pastor until until I read this series of tweets that he was doing. Um, have you ever heard modesty taught like this in church or anywhere else, Rose? No? Yeah. Mm, any thoughts on what he said? Because, again, I, I would have, if I wouldn't have read this, I would have continued associating modesty to be, like, completely with appearance and sexuality so when just like from what you're what you just read um it is like you said it's kind of surprising it's very eye-opening but it's also a very like uh like the truth like the it feels like the real truth to be honest and it's and it feels kind of freeing in a sense because so often uh, women in our past have fought so much for us to be able to not equate uh for like modesty or uh, the way that we look in our appearances uh, to equate like with sexuality um, or our level of sexuality based off anything that we wear. And so just being able to kind of like listen to the insert that you describe, it, it, like I said, it sounds freeing because uh, we fought so hard for people to um, not view us that way. And um, even though that, like I said, I feel like media plays a really big, big role in this. Um, I'm not sure in like how much um, you guys kind of like that, like dove into um, this post. But um, yeah, like I said, it's, it just sounds very freeing. Yeah, it does sound very freeing. And I think that having a conversation on sexuality or having a conversation on dress code as it pertains to church is are they're very important conversations to have but that's not the conversation that's not the conversation that paul is talking about in this context like you said it is freeing to be able to separate the two to be able to separate modesty from sexuality because they aren't synonymous um like we've like we've been taught to believe for so long so i found that really interesting i will have the tweet because there were a series of tweets, it was a thread. I will have that linked on our social media, and I encourage you to look into it for yourself, to read the word for yourself. I'm not telling you to just blindly go off of, you know, what I'm saying or what uh, this pastor is saying, but I do encourage you to, to to think a little deeper about what you've been taught for, for years if you've been in church um, for a long time versus what this post is saying, because they are very vast and very different. Um, I want to switch gears now and talk about our second point of conversation, which is being in competition with one another. Now, all these topics that we're discussing, they're not exclusive to the church, but I want to talk about them in the context of church women and um, church lifestyle, because I would hope that the church looks different from the world, but sometimes we do see an overlap. Oftentimes, we see an overlap of issues that the world is facing and that the church is also facing. And so women competing in church has a lot to do with for, for one thing, leadership roles not being 
seen as acceptable on a wide scale for women as it is for men. Um, if you are into studying, um, you know, this deeper, it is the debate of complementarianism versus egalitarianism. So I will read the definition of those two just so that we all are on the same page. So complementarianism is the view that women are limited regarding leadership roles in the church, such as elder, pastor, or deacon. And egalitarianism is the view that women can serve in all forms of church leadership, including being ordained as pastors. This is a hot topic. This has always been a hot topic um, <laughs> because there are some people that fervently believe that women should not preach, that they cannot be pastors, that they can't serve in specific leadership roles. And, and again, in my experience of growing up in church my whole life, I have seen women pastors at the churches that I've been at. Um, that's not to say that I haven't seen a lot of sexism go on in those spaces as well, but I have seen it. So um, because women are often viewed as not being able to serve in certain capacities, it creates competition at times. So Rosemond, I want to hear your thoughts on women competing with one another and not just for roles, but maybe also competing for a guy in the church because that happens too. A new guy comes and like 20 women pounce on him. So what are your thoughts on women competing and have you seen this? I have. I've seen this in the church aspect and I've also seen it uh, just like in the worldly aspect. Um, and I think that there's this uh, mindset of scarcity in our mind um, that uh, we can't all have it all and that um, we have these mindsets and these, like I said, they can either be conscious or subconscious thoughts that we have inside of our brains. And these biases could either be um, biases that we learned growing up or um, things that, I don't know, like you're just like, you got conditioned to, 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 to kind of like think. And so I think that one of those things happen to be just like, for some reason, like we just think that there's a scarcity of things out there for us. And that could be, like you said, an example of men, that that thing could be a, a position, um, that thing could be a title, that could, it could be like multiple things in the church um, that we just kind of like get into this defensive mode uh, when we think that something is scarce and then we kind of like, we, we, we go for it, like we, we want it. Um, and in that aspect, we kind of put the other girl down um, because we want it. And so um, it kind of like even just goes back to the systems. And like you said, just kind of like the system of the church, because if you were to create more positions or more um, or have it be more acceptable for women to um have different kinds of positions those specific titles and so like um uh, it, it just kind of creates competition when there's like one spot and you know five people who wants it or like you said the new guy so there's like one new guy and all the other guys we've been seeing for a very long time we don't want them because they've been part of the church for forever so this new person comes in and so all the girls kind of like all right he's the one he's the one and so <laughs> Yeah. Well, you mentioned scarcity mindset, which is very true. Um, it's very, very true. I think that because for so long women have been kept out of spaces, let's take this out of the church setting for a moment, like take this into the workplace. Okay, there was a time where women couldn't hold certain job titles, like we could be teachers, we could be nurses, um, we could be, you know, caretakers, but we couldn't do other jobs that we now are obviously like we can we can pretty much work anywhere we want to work so there sometimes is actual scarcity to where it's like okay there is a two women quota to fill and that's it um what what advice would you give to if this were actually happening in the church and say they're looking for say they're looking for a female youth pastor to serve with the male youth pastor and there's one spot and it come becomes obviously a bit competitive within the church how do you how do you envision that women should go about um being in a relationship with one another and not making it to where we're putting each other down while we're trying to come up in that sense i say that one you have to be very mindful of your thoughts um you can have healthy competition with one another in that sense where there is real scarcity uh, where there is that one position that is open and there's nothing to like, no way the system could be changed. Um, so I feel like you would have to um, 
one, there's there's healthy competition. You don't have to have negative thoughts about someone. You can still uh, do your best. You can still uh, assess someone else's skill uh, without uh, degrading them uh, or comparing yourself to them. You can assess where they're at and you could be like, okay, well, this is where... Um, like for instance, okay, this person is a very outspoken person. They're really good at this. So instead of putting that person down, um, you can start working on steps and tools to help build your communication. Like it doesn't have to be um, like a negative thought pattern or negative thoughts or negative actions because uh, sometimes like aggressive could, aggression could be passive. And so, or even just uh, we find ourselves uh, gossiping a lot like okay though I'm doing this and this person thinks that okay that she has something going on because she's doing this and um we kind of have to like be very conscious of those mindsets and those conversations in those places that kind of curate those um the gossiping um when it comes to the the work aspect um you can handshake someone and still be like, good job. Like you did an awesome job and I did an awesome job. Like I appreciate you and 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 then that's it. Like it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be anything negative about it um, because there's a lot that you can take and grow from a situation uh, once you get all the negative mindsets out. That's really good advice um, is changing your mindset. And like you said, and I think another thing I want to add to that is when you, if, if you end up getting a position in the church or you end up coming into a leadership role, use the position that you have to bring other women up with you. Um, like you were saying before, it's not like we have to get rid of the scarcity mindset. As we get into these roles more and as we get these opportunities more, don't then turn around and internalize the sexism like what we were talking about and then... Um, you know, punch down to them, pull them up instead. And I think that that makes all the difference because when you are in the room, in the decision-making room, and you are a voice and a representative for women, you should be advocating to bring more women on board to create more access and to create more opportunities, not making it to where you're the one, you're the only chosen one, or um, making it tokenism to where you are the one woman that is speaking for everyone. So I just think that that's really important, and I think that, again, what you said as well, our conversations, we need to be mindful of our conversations that we're having in our mindset, because we... There's a stereotype that women can be catty, and I don't like that stereotype, but it's also, it's true that sometimes we can be catty towards one another, we can gossip about one another, we can put each other down, and I think that we have enough opposition from the outside already, we don't need to do it to one another as well. Um, I this The next question I have for you kind of ties into what I already asked, but um, are there any other ways you think that women can become better advocates for one another in church? One of the things that you can advocate or how can you advocate for someone um, without empathy? And so when you kind of first kind of ask that question to empathize with somebody, you need to kind of like be a friend and be a support. And so you kind of like already mentioned, yes, create an opportunity for that person to be able to grow, especially if you're in leadership, but then also be a friend and be a real friend and just be a part of life with that person because uh, oftentimes we're wanting more than we're giving. Um, and so the more like you pour into something, the more that it will grow. And so um, be a friend um and empathize have sympathy with someone yes i agree wholeheartedly be a friend a genuine friend i think that sometimes when you're in church spaces because you're so you're you see each other on sunday mornings you see each other wednesday night youth you see each other on uh you know if you have special women's groups or different bible studies you have small groups you you spend a lot of time with these people and these are people that you are some you're usually more vulnerable with these people than you are with say maybe a coworker. You open up to these people more for prayer or to just be vulnerable and talk about personal things going on in your life. So there is a big there is a big wall that comes down between you and people as it pertains to church 
church relationships. But I think sometimes, and I've experienced this personally, especially in the last, um, like, over a year at this point um, of leaving the previous church that I was at for a very long time, sometimes just because you are at a place with people four days a week and you have confided in each other and said very personal things to one another doesn't mean you're actually friends. And I and I saw that modeled out because when push came to shove, when I was going through things or when I was leaving the church, there are people that I would have thought would have reached out to me. There are people that I thought, oh, you know, they, they, they've been in my life for this many years. Um, so I would have thought that we would have been closer or there would have been more friendship and advocacy there. But sometimes in church, I'm just going to be honest, and this isn't just for women, this is for all church people. Sometimes we aren't genuine, we're just not genuine friends with one another. Sometimes it's just for the sake of convenience and the sake of proximity because we're in this space and we see each other a lot. We, we create this relationship, but it's not as genuine as it could or should be. So I think that's really good advice is be genuine friends. I think that if you are confiding in people and being as vulnerable as you are, there should be a lot more to show for it than just saying that, you know, I just go to church with this person. I think you should be able to call people your friend. So that's really good advice. Um, I want to move on to our last point of discussion for today. And I want to give a trigger warning before, um, we are going to be discussing sexual misconduct, so if that is going to be triggering for anyone, you may want to skip through um, or click off at this point, but again, giving that trigger warning and giving you time if you are making your decision on if you want to continue listening or if this is your place to kind of click off. So, um, yeah, so last April for Sexual Assault Awareness Month, I actually did a piece on um, for those of you who aren't aware, I, I'm a journalist, so I'm a writer. So I did a piece last April um, on younger generations leaving the church, and the research has shown that it's partly due to the mishandling of sexual misconduct in churches. And I talked to a lot of people. I read a lot of studies. I, I did, you know, a lot of uh, researching and reporting for this piece. And it was overall just really heartbreaking, one, that there are people that have experienced such... Um, such traumatic things and such just horrendous things in a church space that should be a safe space. They've experienced these things and because of that, that's drawn them away from the church altogether. That's even drawn them away from having a relationship with God altogether. And it's really frustrating. And we don't talk about sexual misconduct enough in church. And we especially don't talk about sexual misconduct that happens in church in church enough. So oftentimes the blame is put on the victim instead of the perpetrator when it comes to sexual misconduct. Um, additionally, in church spaces, there can often be power dynamics, maybe between a leader and a parishioner, a pastor, a youth pastor, whoever. Um, women are also guilty of blaming other women for what may have happened to them. Um, Rosemont, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on this issue um, in general of women blaming other women and not supporting other women when they confide in them or when they speak out on, on something like this happening to them, especially in church? One, I say that this kind of like just kind of, it goes back to social media and what is portrayed to us. I remember even just like even at the end of, or even during the me the Me Too movement, which was like an, a huge movement for feminism. There was like a, a lot of women who were just like, well, there's all these girls who are who are probably lying. And um, and so I was hearing that conversation and that talk a lot um, in which I think that that stems from um, us. It's a lack of love for our own self, because if I don't even like love myself. I can't even like really support and empower or be there for another woman or even like really truly hear her story to be to be able to be like, okay, her story is true. And so I think that that also plays a part of it. But for often, it's just very often that women, you'd much rather be like, okay, she's lying. No, she, 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 I think it's, it's, it's talk that's been conditioned in our minds because even when I, um, hang out with my guy friends um, and they talk about the things that women would say to them or do. It's just like a, it's a common theme, a common theme in multiple environments to have uh, when you're having that discussion or having that talk. Um, and I think that it's, 
it hurts us more than anything to not believe, to not um, want to help. What it does is it it's kind of like it takes away from that person's story whenever you don't believe them. And so I think that we just it's a culture of it. How do we get rid of this this culture of it is that we 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 have these discussions, we have these events, we have these like you, like what you're doing right now, creating content on these subjects, podcasts, shows, YouTube of women who are willing to think outside of the box, of women who are willing to pour out their hearts to other women and support them, to to share, to to bear witness, to um, be of support. Um, and I think that it it's common that it happens in the church is because even in the outside world, how many times are the sexual assault when you do report it, even in the workplace, that it's even handled? And it's like, okay, if the systems that are created doesn't even have my back, um, oftentimes even the, the victim could even believe or disbelieve whatever is happening to them is happening to them for a very long time. Um, and so I think that that also creates like a very, not like a very strong mindset and being in the midst of having to go tell a pastor, okay, this is what's happening to me. Um, and then them not being able to fully understand the situation because they're not a, a, a woman, um, in most cases, so they can't really feel the depth of the situation to be able to give the correct consequences. That's also true. Um, I like what you mentioned at first with saying that um, a lot of women don't have love for themselves. And so then that trickles into not having love for other women. And I think that this also goes back to the previous question that I asked you when you uh, mentioned empathy, which is that you can't empathize with people that you don't love. You can't, although someone may not be a sexual assault victim, a woman may not be a victim ever in her life of that. Um, you don't have to go through something to empathize. That's the whole point of empathy is that you haven't been through it yet. Despite that, you still have compassion and care for people that have been through something. And I think that um, something else that you mentioned, which is pastors don't know how to handle it at times. I think that's a huge issue that sexual assault and sexual misconduct is rampant in churches and not just Catholic churches, because that was kind of the focal point of my um my story is that a lot of times Catholic churches, priests, they get this, um, they, they have a label of that, which is very true for, for, for many cases, that is true. But I think that the Protestant church often gets a pass or often gets away with um, not being examined because so many people are focused on the Catholic church. Well, this is actually very prevalent in Protestant churches as well. This is very prevalent in different denominations and Protestant and the Protestant um religion. And so I think that first we need to realize that sexual misconduct, sexual assault, anything of that nature, it's wrong spiritually, but in the natural sense as well, it's also illegal. And so I think that churches and pastors need to um, not just take matters into their own hands, but oftentimes things need to be handled legally. Things need to be turned over to be handled legally because it's perpetuating and it's just adding on to this issue that's so rampant in the church when there's no consequences or when, again, sometimes it's power dynamics. So sometimes it's a leader or a pastor or a deacon that may harm or, or, um, do something to a parishioner and because of their power, because of their leadership position, they don't see any consequences. And that is just on a natural level. That's completely wrong. And on a spiritual level, that's extra wrong. And it makes me really upset because like I said, churches are, they're supposed to be a safe space. We should not be hearing about these types of things happening in churches. That shouldn't be the case. And I think that there's just such a level of comfort um, there's just such a level of comfort for a lot of things that are just so, um, ungodly to take place in church. And it really makes me upset. I'm really passionate about it because I'm very passionate about justice and righteousness, which the Bible says is the foundation of God's throne. So how can justice and righteousness coexist in church with sexual assault and mishandling of sexual misconduct? So I really invite women. I really invite everyone, but especially women, if a woman confides in you and tells you that they are uncomfortable in a situation or they believe that something went down the way it shouldn't have gone down or someone in the church is making them uncomfortable, I urge you not to 
blame them right off the bat and to like Vero's mom was saying there's a lot of people that are just like well I don't believe you I urge you to really ask yourself why is that your first assumption is to assume that the person is lying I really ask I really want you to ask yourself that and if this may not be something that you've personally witnessed in church or you've experienced yourself I just want you to keep your eyes open because this does happen a lot more than we give credit for. It does. Did you want to add anything else, Rosemond? I just want to say, like, like you just said, those thoughts kind of like happen very automatically. And uh, one of the things that I think should be also just like taking place in the church, uh, like you said, the legal way, but also education. Like, I think that should be talked about in church, like. (laughs) <laughs> like a discussion should be happening, whether you're having a panel, like a, a discussion panel, whether you're having an event um, that's open also to the community, um, whether you're just having it in a small group discussion, like the, the topic of it needs to be talked about, uh, especially in the sense of um, even when it comes to legally, what's not okay, because males, females, like it needs to be taught, that also needs to be taught what's not okay you don't um uh like you said (laughs) um it we need to make it more of a common conversation uh we don't have the conversation enough which makes people very uncomfortable which makes people not also know what to do when it happens or not be able to take the appropriate steps because they have not even followed through with hypothetically talking um planning the situation so that's so true. That's so true what you said about the need for education. And I think that's a, that's why some women resort to just automatically blaming the person is because they have never really had a, a genuine conversation about this topic in general. And so their their only thing that they know to do is to is to do what they've seen modeled, which is to just blame the victim or blame the person that is alleging the these crimes. And so again, I urge women of course, I urge all people, but as we are talking to women and it's Women's History Month and that's who my target audience is, I urge you to just be more empathetic, as Rosemont has said, be an advocate for one another. And especially in the context of church spaces, um, I just really urge you to band together and to not feel like you have to perpetuate this sexism that takes place because it is sexism to to automatically assume that a woman that is... Um, alleging these things is lying. And so, again, this is a very important topic, and I will have resources on our social media page as well um, on any resources that you may need or any therapy resources that you may need if you are someone that has personally experienced this. But I think these are all really important key topics that we have covered today. Um, and I, I really want to thank you, Rosemont, for, for coming on the podcast and being open um, to having this discussion. I know it's not an easy one, but it's a necessary one, and you are definitely definitely an advocate of women. Um, You're one of the first people I think of when I think of women that empower women. And so um, as we are getting ready to wrap up, if for some reason someone wasn't listening during the podcast and they kind of just were in la la land for the past like 50 minutes, what would you say in a two minute wrap up, what would you say um, to any ladies listening as it pertains to internalized sexism? I want to say first... (laughs) love yourself love yourself love yourself take the time to get to know yourself the things you enjoy as a woman um the things that you like the things that you do not like and then you also need to be able to uh, take account of your conscious and subconscious thoughts like your your automatic thoughts or your automatic judgments and you have to ask yourself why do i have these 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 common judgments especially when it comes to other women why do i feel uncomfortable when i'm in a certain or threatened when i feel when i'm in a certain situation um and so just just examine your thoughts uh, find out how you can educate yourself. Um, join book clubs. Join an organization, an all-women's organization. Uh, go out to events. Find out how you could be a better friend tomorrow. Be a better uh, mom or uh, sister or sibling. Like find out how you could just do life, life in a better, a better way. Um, so that's my thought, and kind of like wrap up with the whole podcast. <laughs> and thank you again, Sierra, for having me on. Yes, awesome. That is a really good wrap up. Yes, um, 
because like I said in the beginning, you are all about community outreach. So yes, be a, join events, do do exactly what Rosemond does. Um, find a way to plug into your community and to do that. And so before we go, I want you, Rosemond, to kind of just um, plug what's coming up on April 9th for Saved and then tell the listeners where they can follow Saved on social media. Yay. Okay, so perfect. So April 9th, we do have our next and upcoming Women's Empowerment Brunch, in which I'm excited because we're talking about the topic of finance. So finance when it comes to your personal life and finance when it comes to wanting to up uh, and jumpstart a a small business. And so um, I'm super excited for it. It is going to be, if you're in the Pensacola area, it's going to be at the Fish House and it's going to to be at 11 a.m. Um, the last brunch was very amazing. It was phenomenal. It was such uh, a good atmosphere. And so I believe that this one will be even better. Um, if you want to follow us on our page just for upcoming events or just to, to watch us grow and be a part of the growth and then also be a part of our project and just kind of see how you can help us help other women, um, you can follow us on Instagram and it's at underscore s dot a dot v dot e dot d um and you can find us on facebook at saved um and then also our email is saved dreamers at outlook.com awesome yes put your face out there and i hope that again if you're in the pensacola area please come out um make sure you follow on social media so that you can give her a heads up she i'm sure will need a head count so make sure you don't just pop up but make sure you are following them on social media follow her personal page and again thank you rosemond for sitting still with me thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode and you will be hearing from me soon in another episode i will talk to you all later bye I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sit Still with Sierra. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or some other podcast listening platform, your support means the world. Make sure to share this episode with a friend or two, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.